This is Andrew Faust, Permaculture Perspectives. I'm here with Clay and Adriana in our office at the Center for Bioregional Living, a.k.a. our living room, hanging out, talking about water. And we just listened to a piece by... Dr. Richard Allen Miller. Uh, how would you describe Richard Allen Miller, Andrew, after uh, your like first a- take? <laughs> Quite a... Speaker, A diverse range of influences, clearly a rich history. Adriana found that he had actually interviewed Masanobu, Fukuoka, and Bill Mollison back in the, when was that that he did that? In the 80s. Yeah, back in the day. So he has some connections with our topic of permaculture. He's a writer for Acres magazine, or at least was. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which is one if you if you ever get into say holistic resource management, Alan Savory, Joel Salat, and you'll come across Acres. Definitely a publication to know about. They do some really good topics on things like silva pasture, uh, agroforestry. So Acres, good magazine. I think we're somewhere out of Kansas, Kansas these so, days. Yeah. It's published. I think it's a KC. Yeah. So water and. What was our so we listened to Dr. Rich Allen Miller talk about structured water. So first, I, what in the hell is structured water? What is your understanding? I believe I had heard it once or twice, but could in no way, shape, or form articulate it. So let's hear your. So my understanding of it was we just listened to this interview, and you know, structured water the way. The way the author, what's his name again? I'm sorry. Richard Allen Miller. Richard Allen Miller. So the way Doc Ram. The way Doc Ram. Yeah. The way the way Doc Ram describes structured water, it's very akin to what you'll come across in Anthroposophy, in which Rudolf Steiner also gives a strong emphasis on vortices or vortexes in water as a way to vitalize it and actualize it. And we can also empirically, scientifically, see that it effectively oxygenates the water and clearly does at a even mechanical level do things that are going to improve water quality. Uh, These are used vortices that are specifically designed um, by... Another thinker who I'm not going to remember is they might be John Wilk, a individual in England who developed these, and there are a series of forms that are called flow forms that are used on Camp Hill villages in Europe where these are intentional communities that use these, in many instances, as a cleaning function in intentional wetland wastewater treatment setups where they'll have a series of ponds uh, that receive effluent. So water, structured water, is created by these vortices, and these flow forms create vortices as water flows from a first-stage treatment pond to a second-stage treatment pond. And then in biodynamic agriculture, we also know that vortices are used specifically to create energy in fertilizers or energetic amendments, shall we call them, the biodynamic preparations 
So in the, which, uh, yeah, go the, so the these so vortices. Now, th- this occurs naturally, and if so, where? Well, in nature, you figure these occur all Waterfalls. over the place. Waterfalls, exactly. So uh, cataracts, wherever there's a confluence, the energetics of water, and that's where, you know, one of the thinkers who I would say really originates <coughs> this is Victor Schauberger. And Schauberger wrote a book called Living Water back in the 1800s. And many people who get into different systems like reverse osmosis really could source the origins of this to Victor Schauberger. Okay. And he observed it in streams and in waterways and then mimicked it with different devices that he created. So have you done any podcasts or had any discussions about the right kind of water to drink? Like, for, for, you know, no. there's so, okay, mm-hmm. you know, water is such a complex subject. That's, you could break that up into however many different, you know, categories and, and separate podcasts. I mean, just, just as I mentioned, like I've heard of this guy, Gerald Pollack, who's conceiving this fourth phase of water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can go into that realm for, for hours and hours. But going back to the, you know, the, the drinking water, it's one of those things that we're all concerned about our diet, but... Yes, that's important, but not a lot of people talk about the water. I mean, it's eighty percent of our constitution, and there are some people. Actually, Doc Ram is the, the reason why I put a pinch of baking soda in my water is to raise pH levels up. You know, talking about uh, not many people talk about the subject. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. what's your take on, you know, what kind of water do you drink? What is there any things you can do to water? Why would you do things to water? Why do we need? Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear your. Yeah, take I th- on that. I totally concur with you. I think it's a baseline thing. I think it's maybe sixty to seventy percent of the body. I've heard eighty percent. Could in yeah. any case, we can certainly assume it's a high percentage sure. of our makeup. Sure. And I think it's also pretty accurate to say vastly under attended to when we think about health issues and health topics, depending on really the circles that we're it. looking in. And then in other cases, people can go a little bit too far in getting fearful about water quality and do things that I would, first off, in talking about water and what I'd recommend, I would warn against some things like distilled water as yes. your primary Explain water Explain why that is, because so I, I, I think I would, I would love to hear your take on it. Well, cause. you know, it can be counterbalanced very easily mm-hmm. if you just add some trace minerals in a natural land-based salt Oh, like different types you of salt that and you can add that to the distilled water that. to yeah. remineralize it. Willard water that people were really into adding to distilled water. Well, why are people buying is, distilled water to drink then? What is Willard water? Willard water. They'd even add it to ionized sure. water, uh, reverse osmosis, rather, right. water, because all minerals were taken out of that to a certain extent. And what is it? What's it is Willard like water? a mineral blend. Uh huh. Was really big in the late '80s, '90s. I'm sure it's still around. Well, the, yeah. I, I think it's more. I'm more interested in mm-hmm. why do mm-hmm. people yeah. market and sell and obviously purchase distilled water? I mm-hmm. bet the majority well, don't realize that. From so I kind of cut you off, but no, no. My it's my fine. simplistic understanding is. Distilled water is dead water. You drink it, it's trying to absorb nutrients, and it can actually mm-hmm. become a diuretic of, of sorts. Mm-hmm. It's, so well, the, that's, does that sound about? Water distillers are available as a countertop appliance. 
And so it was a way for people in certain areas to make sure that they were getting purified water, right? Mm-hmm. But they so would add had, something to it bef- at some point. Exactly. So they to would remake it. Ah, but we like lost that understanding, it. essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like they were necessarily going to, like, the grocery store and buying plastic bottles of distilled water. They were using, you know, their distillers, their water distillers, in lieu of any kind of, like, under-the-counter or countertop, um, you know, uh, yeah. 10 stage water filter. Right. You know, water is a really interesting one. I think also, for me, distilling is a response to often damaged and how damaged our water is. And I think when we talk about water, two frameworks that are good to have early on in the conversation is, one, clearly the percentage of our bodies and that it's important. Right. Two is the percentage of the Earth's water that is good drinking water. And what to is understand that number? That's that. fascinating. So that, that's an incredibly small percentage of the total volume of water. Oh, and then I'll also water, touch yeah, into how right. much of it is polluted or used for really inappropriate, which is an understatement, uses, right? So when we think about water, okay, yeah. on the Earth's surface, mm-hmm. hydrologists estimate maybe 3% of the total water on the planet is what we would call is fresh it? water. Okay, yes. because right? yeah. And fresh water is mm-hmm. the only kind we can drink. Correct. Of that 3%, Ugh, it's estimated that slow. almost 2% of that is actually unavailable to us because it's still at present is locked up in polarized Ice caps and, yeah. or inaccessibly deep in the ground, right. even for how industrial wells can go. It's still deeper. So you've got actually less than 1% of all the water on the entire planet is this essential material that we should be drinking a good amount of a day. What would we say is a good amount to drink a day? Five gallons. For people. I drink a lot of water. That's over. I literally drink Maybe a gallon, gallon and a half on average would be a good water diet to be drinking a good amount. Yeah, most people are, and from all reports anyone in the scientific community will say without exception the americans are vastly under you know under hydrated under dehydrated underwater <laughs> not watering themselves some of them are getting are yeah. Under, yeah overwatered but so so this is a yeah. material we need quite a bit of and yet in this country according to the federal government 37% of these freshwater streams that make up less than 1% of the water on the planet 37% of them in this country mm-hmm. are unfishable and unswimmable that's depressing 50% of lakes and ponds according to the fed so you can be sure it's worse than that are More unfishable depressing. and unswimmable God, right that's horrible i hate hearing this and stuff. then 50% of freshwater <laughs> Sorry, 50% fresh water. Yeah, we're almost done. I'm depressed. <laughs> Hurry up. End it. End the misery. And then they estimate that 50% of fresh water in the United States is used in industrial cooling oh, processes. yes. That's the yeah. topper right there. So, whereas at least if we drink it, we can drink our own urine after it comes out of us. But we definitely can't drink what comes out of a nuclear power plant or... Any we other industrial? Pee? Yeah, we can drink her. Really, Shivambu, Ayurveda. I've heard it as like a silent here because I'm working on yes. an agenda well, for my board of My understanding but is that that's like a once a year thing. Shivambu. That's like a once a year. You're not doing it like on the day, are you? People no. do it in the morning pee. But you can. 
Urine? Because urine is... It's sterile. F- it's totally sterile. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Just, but we just talked about how sterile yeah, water's I not good. What? It, I did it once. <gasps> and then I got, like, some kind of, uh, like, stomach no. flu. And I was like, is this mm. what happened? I mean, Joe does it every day when he cleans himself, so yeah. it's probably not the worst thing in the world. But I'll pass. So there's... So you can even go that... You know, and when we talk about water, it's really interesting to think about how do we take this very rare and precious material and treat it more as the sacred miraculous phenomenon that it is yeah, this like thing of fresh water there's so, there's so little of it and, this, and yet we're letting it be so you know to use some terms that may or may not be appropriate bastardized abused beaten up right and totally disrespected and as a result it's a direct Example of how what we do to the earth, we do to ourselves, right? By contaminating the earth's waters, right. human beings are now suffering a lot of health issues that are related to water quality or lack thereof, right? So we start with that when we talk about water and we say, all right, first let's realize that we're already in it. In fact, here, let me give one more statistic that's all relevant right. to drinking water. Over 50% of urban Municipal water supplies are considered to be in violation of the Safe Drinking Water Act. In this country? In this country. Half of the water is Half of the water in municipalities That's is in chronic violation of the most like. What would basic be the water. violation? What, typically, what would be even, typical? Even things that aren't Florians as, say, carcinogenic or as like really gnarly as some of the concerns that we have from industrial pollutions, but even bacteria can be so high that it's unacceptably. Sure. You know, at yeah, they just in public supplies. Pass it on and people are getting sick from bacteria in the water. You know, because in, say, Philadelphia pulls their drinking water from the Schuylkill River. And if you see how many. Ooh, that doesn't sound there's good. Just, it's not a, exactly. It's a very polluted river. Well, well Doc Ram mentioned uh, Flint, Michigan, and you kind yeah, of nodded well, Flint, your head. Well, Flint is like the epitome of industrial contamination at such a systemic level. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so what is like? Moved us there. Was it just uh, nuclear waste Diego, kind of stuff? Uh, to Flint, Michigan, in 1979, right as the total collapse started happening. So this Super is a intense. known thing. I'm I'm unaware of Flint what happened. Like, oh really? Oh, it's a, yeah. There was. I mean, I've good. heard of well, Flint, I mean, Michigan. A bunch of press came out. Joe. Wait, you're not aware about. Water. I mean, I know of Flint, Flint, Michigan, but I didn't. I don't. I, it's not synonymous to some so. event. Like I don't have a. I don't know. Recently. Yeah, well, there, there's just stuff that happened in Dude, Flint. And sometimes it pays to turn into mainstream media. No, Alex Jones be. isn't going to tell you this stuff. I don't listen to Alex Jones either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Mel Fabregas kind of guy. Well, so. if they're not telling you about Flint, then you need to. Well, what, when was so, this a so thing? So what happened is like that the, they the were day? trying to save money. No, the, the water crisis? Yeah. So what was happening is that they were trying to save money and uh, a few years ago, and the governor okayed a plan for them to switch their water from, um, from water that was coming from some other place to basically the Flint River. pH in the Flint River is different. Pipes in Flint. Gross. I mean, not to imagine like. So this is a recent. So it, was, it was going through some kind of filtration process, supposedly, but Flint pipes, as well as everybody's pipes in America, are pretty old. They have lead. 
solder. They're put together with who knows what. You know, there's just like a lot of... That's why you always want to make sure that whenever you're running water to drink that you're running cold water and not hot water because hot water actually can leach chemicals out of all of those connective materials that hold pipes together. So was this a news story recently or like Uh, way long time ago? Flint has been without clean water for over a thousand days. So, so this happened in the they, people, past several, year. No, past year three years. years. Yeah, it's been a, a while. That's tough math for me. Yeah, so, so, they, yeah, were, so they basically switched that. The pH was different, um, not to mention, like, highly contaminated. Supposedly they were filtering stuff out. No but what idea happened about is this. the pH started to corrode, um, and the various you know minerals started to corrode the pipes and, and created massive amounts of lead in the water. So you have people getting Legionnaires' disease. Yeah, so people um, are going down. You have down. children. Yeah, people uh, died. People died. Children um, were there, and then Obama goes there and was like, "It's fine. I'll drink it. It's fine to drink the water here." Like I don't They're know what. But anyway, Governor like Rick, <laughs> Rick Snyder, I think, is saying water full of shots. They gave him carbon twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah C twenty. So we're talking about water. And we were just getting into a piece where we got a little cut off there on water quality. And in particular, we were discussing Flint, Michigan, and some of the tragic things that have occurred there to the population dealing with the municipality and their decisions to do some really irrational and hurtful things like change the supply of the public water. So did, did like, heads roll? On this, like, is anyone accountable or? Governor Schneider should be accountable, um, and all the other, you know, deputies and and you know, government officials. But no, no, no heads have rolled, and basically they're still delivering bottled water to Flint, Michigan, and people can't bathe yeah. in the water over how I don't know how how many. So days. they're all protecting each other, and no one's getting thrown under the bus or taking it's the heat. Cr- how, they, how, how are they dodging that bullet? That's a big bullet to dodge. Um, it's a really huge bullet to dodge. They're doing it by just because basically well, nobody, well, no me. no news or, you know, there's been news a few. News won't cover it. Jordan, Jordan right. Cheriton, he used to be of TYT News, and he um, went and stayed there for a while after he was at Standing Rock. And then you have, you know, other news organizations that other things take precedence, you know, and they just completely. Like there should be just like a constant reminder on, on the front page of every newspaper that Flint, Michigan doesn't have clean water. But, you know, the frustrating thing right. is, is, no that, is that, Flint. you know what? We don't have clean water in Newburgh. Have you heard what's right. going on there? No. PFOC, so it's like, the, you know, the Teflon substance that is in firefighting foam that the military uses, mm-hmm. which coincidentally is also, they're, they're spending millions of dollars to switch out one super toxic um, firefighting foam for another one that doesn't have as much press on it, which right. is also super highly toxic. Right. So all of this this stuff is like Teflon-based and related and gets into the water supplies and mm. is completely contaminating. Mm-hmm. So right now, Newburgh, right down the way from us, an hour away, yeah. is on the Catskill um, aqu- aqueduct yeah. system. And so they're getting um, water that delivered to them that um, is being diverted right now and usually all goes to New York, New York City, City, right? Yeah. So they are now, they want to um, get the water. The The town is like, we can't, you know, we need to set up another system, blah, blah, blah. And so we're going to take it from this lake, which is known to be super contaminating. And the only 
um, quote-unquote peace of mind that they're giving them is that they're going to be setting it up with these super intense carbon filters. But as we know, water is more than just hydrogen and oxygen. And if anybody takes homeopathics, you know that there's a certain energetics that stays with and molecules. There's you a know? lot, yeah. There's a lot water. going on with water. Like Doc Ram says water has memory, whatever the yeah. hell that means. Well, I'd I love think to that's dive the same in. thing with homeopathics. So, yeah. like, you can yeah. dilute, dilute, dilute yeah, until there's so. no molecular trace, but there is still an effect, and homeopathics have definitely worked for Right. Me. Yeah, I'm, I'm so overly, I'm like so out of my comfort zone, but I'm fascinated by this subject. Seriously, mm-hmm. I haven't really mm-hmm. touched the surface, mm-hmm. but that. Part of it, yeah, the homeopathy is, you know, I can't dismiss it. I, I, a lot of people poo-poo it, but there's a lot of people who don't, and I just wish I could comprehend it a little bit better. But Well, I think one testament to homeopathic remedies is clearly the proliferation of them in the marketplace. I mean, you know, if you think just 10, 20 years ago, would you have seen these homeopathic remedies as widely available as they are today? Right. Definitely not. So there's already just a demand-supply kind sure. of proof-in-the-pudding, shall we say, aspect to those remedies that I personally, as a proponent and somebody who partakes of that medicine, hmm. wouldn't have suspected that it would have become as widespread as it has. Well, uh, if you think about it, it makes it's, re- a lot it's, yeah, it's relying on the capabilities of water. Well, and what Doc Ram was saying, too, about... I like his philosophy of, at the end of the day, he is proposing that it's not actually anything in the biochemistry of these materials, that it's actually your belief in them. Your intent, yeah. And I've said for a while, as a teacher with my students, that... If the placebo effect was, works, was, yeah, I'll was, take it. I was just going to say, right? for anyone, I'm sure if you're listening, <laughs> there's got to be a few chuckles, but no one can explain the placebo effect No yeah. one ra- in a rational scientific method, but no one will also dispute that it's a thing. I mean, right. there is... Would it be related to Dr. John Sarno's body-mind connection that he kind of, you know, people have talked about it, but he really pioneered with his work on you know, healing back pain and, um, and tracing the, the, the cause of um, or the results that severe stress has on our bodies, um, how it uh, manifests in back pain and all kinds of other pains that we have. But m- now it's mostly back pain. It used to be everybody got ulcers and then they mm. were like, hey, we know so ulcers the pl- come so from the pl- stress. So the placebo effect works on back pain? Mental, mental attitudes. Mental attitudes and awareness. Like, but could you, in theory, get rid of physical back pain through placebo effects? Because, I mean, I've heard, I don't, I'm not an expert by any stretch about placebo effects. And in fact, I don't even know in what capacity they have proven that if it's effigy. Effigy? Efficacy? Efficacy. 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 But what we're getting at here is that the placebo effect is synonymous the body, with yeah. the mind body right. connection right. because yeah. it's a. Uh, intangible, unmeasurable aspect of healing. Right. Right. And then can you give an example of something that they've they've done placebo effects with? I know there's probably a dozen of them, but I can't think of one. Like, where have they done placebo effects? And they're like, hey, you didn't take X, but you fixed Y. Mm. 
What is some? Yeah, I you know I, that's a good question. I think people can research that independently. I'm sure. Like I said, I, I think there's head, dozens of them. Absolutely, like, it's totally been studied. Right. And as as we're talking about here, it's really synonymous with can we accept right. that in the healing process there are many dimensions to how our bodies work right. that are unknown. And when we accept that as a principle to healing, as a principle to life, we realize that life well, life isn't rational. What I think is fascinating is that I, I would guess really close to the majority. So over half will believe or not dispute the placebo effect. So if you mm-hmm. can make that leap, mm-hmm. then when Doc Ram's like, you know, just the act of your imagination and intent that has as much effect on the chemical, that seems ludicrous, right. but if you can make that little leap to where there's something that we can't explain that we know exists, right. then that's not that crazy. Well, certainly here's a measurable aspect of what we're talking about. We certainly know that the human body, endocrine system, white blood cell counts do better perform at a higher level when a person is in a positive state of mind. Right. That's, and there's lots of studies yeah. already that have shown that. I think that's probably the first step, and if for anyone is super doubtful and a non-believer, just by, you know, trying to keep your little crazy voice in your head positive for like one day, yeah. you're going to have a better day, man. It's essential. It's I totally always, you know, easy to replicate. For me personally, I mean... I think it's really important every day to give thanks for the day at the beginning of yeah, the day. Yeah, I've heard that's the way I, people start their days. I think it's key. Yeah, yeah you wake Gratitude, up. they just, yeah. yeah, they've, I've heard, and there's certain techniques I've heard, I can't think of any particular ones, but something like you, you, right, you know, while you're brushing your teeth, you try to be grateful for three things or something to that effect. I do. I notice my um, my feelings right when I wake up. Right. Because things pop into your head right then. Yeah. And so what? I think that's how are to you start going doing, to? Actually. I do a, like a rewrite of my brain if I'm like anxious or if I'm thinking about something in a neg- negative way. You know, this like what's happening in the world makes me wake up anxious. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to lie about that. And there's another thing. So now if you believe that there's a placebo effect and you believe that if you can not, you know, be grumpy in your mind all day long and just have a positive, you know, smile all day, Mm -hmm. if you can believe that has a positive effect, Mm -hmm. then all these things, again, get less and less, you know, cuckoo. As most people, you know, that that metaphysic world is not easily uh, accepted, you know. Yeah, but you know, it's like, it's so like my silly. Parent, my parent, my old man, think, if he heard this, he'd think I'm nuts. <laughs> and so he's crazy. a scientist, but he's a scientist, right? Yeah. He needs the rationale. There are those scientists, though. But, you know, I mean, what do they say, like, about astrophysicists and people who are really, really deep, deep, deep in it? Right. You know, where they are, like, actually looking at these the beginning of our universe and they are like confronting it's one thing to like do water sample I don't know what kind of scientist your dad is a water chemist I was going to say it's one thing to like to do like water sample like water data quality testing that's exactly what he did and you have like these like really like knowable um, um, things that you're looking for what's another thing if you're like looking for total unknowns and things like Quantum mechanics, for instance, you know. Mm-hmm. The, well, here's that, a concern. That is. That here's. Is, a, I'll give you an example. Actually, people are believers. That's what I'm saying. Just yes. Those people yeah. who are way out there are like 
pay. And I might be we way out know. there in some areas, but I at least try to disprove a lot of things I research. If I mean, that's that's part and parcel. So there's a guy named Stanley Myers. You were, have you heard this name? No. Mm-hmm. So Stanley Myers, there's a clip where you can see this. He's on the local news in Iowa or somewhere middle Texas or middle Texas, middle uh, United States. And he invented a car that ran on water, mm-hmm. like a water-based car, late 80s, maybe early 90s. You can, again, you can see the clip on the news, and they talk about at the very end that he drove from L.A. to, I want to say, L.A. to New York. And wow. he, the guy in closing said he's got a meeting with the Department of Defense in the, the coming weeks. <laughs> and then a week later, he's dead. And the, the story goes that his brother and him are in a restaurant. Uh, they're about to meet the Department of Defense. I've heard two versions. Or, but he poisoned nonetheless. And that's how he, I think, it was confirmed by the autopsy. He was poisoned. Uh-huh. So won't go down that whole conspiratorial hole, but just understand. I, all you have to know is that, there, you know, that obviously takes money out of some people's pockets. And you mm-hmm. can leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he, I've heard the science described for that engine. And I think it's plausible. Like, I've. I'm not going to put my life on the line or by any stretch, but my old man is like, no, nope. he knew about it. Um, he saw a conference where he presented, but he had never really did his own research, but that's not possible. Um, so he's very mainstream with his water science. And mm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I, I would actually well, be curious yeah. to know what he thinks about Pollock's thought on the fourth phase of water. I don't know if he would accept that, but right. there's, it seems like it's a field that constantly grows and evolves, and mm-hmm. if you're not keeping up with it, you're gonna not know what the latest is. Every you know. Well, I th- I think I like to bring it back into like the basics of what makes for healthy water. Yes, because you know it's easy. That's the to, original question. <laughs> yeah, you can kind of go out in these different directions. It's easy because it's you know, and you're like, yeah. well, there's all this contamination, which is an important direction right. to first understand, and then there's all these metaphysical dimensions to the properties of the materials of the world right. and things like water. And then at the end of the day, we have to remember that if we're not starting with polluted water in the first place, mm-hmm. then we're not in such a struggle to be able to stay healthy. And so, well, it is true that keeping up our own optimism is important, so pessimism doesn't overwhelm us. Right. It's important to give thanks and be present for all the things we're given, and it's important to recognize that there's well, I think work in order that to, needs to be done. And I, in order to be positive, you have to have some level of being grounded. You're not going to kid yourself. Right. So if the situation really is so destitute, or yeah. you're not going to, you can't, you can't just, that yeah, you can't just go. Everything's right. going to be great. That's I don't need to be sure. positive because everything's going to be positive. So you need to have a base level. You have to. Of, you have to be like, realistic. Right. Yeah. You know, all of that kind of stuff. Well, that's because yeah. you would be lying to yourself, and that's yeah. That, yeah. that doesn't work. That's why I think horoscopes don't work for anybody. And like, I don't know anything about horoscopes. <laughs> I don't know shit about them. No. That's a different. That's a different. That's different day. That's a different podcast. But so the okay, so the water. Going back to the original question, let's see if we can. Again, we so many tangents you can go on. Well, so, so but the, but the best drinking water, water. Yeah. best drinking water. So let's you know when you just look at it first, you want to make sure that you're not in a place where there's any contaminated sites. Empirically speaking, we just did a session in the city on buying your place in the country, and one of the formulas that I like to give for thinking about this topic is to say that if you get water right, really everything else 
is going to work out in your life, on your site, in the landscape. If we get water wrong, everything struggles. So I'm going to cut you off real quick because there's two ways to answer this question. And the direction you're going, which I want to hear, is how do you get the best water in a you know, in your environment. Right. I want to go there after if you are, you live in the middle of Manhattan, you need to buy water and you are drinking water. What's the best thing that you can put in your body and well, how, there, and how would you do that? And why? Like I've heard of, so they're uh, my pHs, there's ionized water, there's Berkey filters, there's tap water. Like what's, what's okay. What's not I'd say okay. of those Berkey, I would definitely endorse Berkey filters. What, is, what a does a Berkey brand. filter do? A Berkey is a brand that is a very well-designed, well-engineered water filter. Okay. It's gravity-fed. It's made out of stainless steel. Does it and have competitors, or is it just they 12, got they cornered the market, or is there other it's just alternatives? It's one of the best, okay. highest quality. Are these the, they're really kind of metal-looking? The top part is stainless. The bottom part is stainless. Right. And then there's cartridges that are like 12-stage carbon filters. We had it at our PEC. It's what people... You had it out yeah. at your thing? Okay, yeah. so it's it's almost like a 12-inch yeah, like cylindrical cooler. water cooler. Yeah. And Those are great, and they work great in the city. And so, so that, that, that you just put it through, it filters through... 12 carbon filters. 12-stage carbon filters. And it goes into them. a holding tank or a yep. holding tank through the carbon filter. So, so you have a pretty good reservoir. Yeah, you have about two or three point. gallons. You need to keep topping it off. So just keep topping it off. Right. If you want to just for watering plants in the city, I'll fill up the water container for my plants and I'll let it sit at least all night because chlorine is a volatile organic compound and it will transpire out of tap water. So you tap water it, let it sit for a day? Yeah. Oh, I've, I've heard of this. I've heard that, that. If you expose it. And why it, do the chlorine will go that's out really of interesting. water at that point? Is it just chlorine or the other fluorines, bromines? Any volatile organic compound is going to Well, off-gas, I believe, is what they call it, right? Yeah, off we'll go out of the air. And that's just by being exposed to the... I'm all right. What's up? Yeah, so, so, so tap water one day, leave it exposed, and you can pretty yeah. much water your plants. And then for your shower... Right. You're going to want, there's this company that I like that's called New Wave. Okay. They're the most affordable, again, like multi-stage filter we're talking about. That oh, basically, you filter the shower. You want to filter your shower. Why is that? Let me tell you why. There's yeah. a lot of interesting science behind this. The skin of your that. body is yeah. arguably the largest organ in your body. Okay, that makes and sense. And if you I've are taking a hot shower, chlorine right. is actually turning into a gas form and being absorbed dermally through your skin, and it can arguably be your biggest exposure event to chlorine Ooh, in a municipal system get out of showering. Here. By it, showering with city water. Yep. So that you've gone to Jesus. all this trouble, right, to filter your drinking Who water ever and control, think and then you go take a hot shower. Especially and hot. You just counter That's what's up. That's why I do. up hey, your pores, your skin. I've and, taken two years yeah. of cold showers, and I cold never shower. knew that I was doing myself a favor. And it's always good. I definitely I never think guessed ending that. on cold at the very least is yeah. really good. Even if people aren't comfortable with a cold shower, right. make sure you end that hot shower with some cold That's water. That's fascinating because I've been doing the Wim Hof thing more mm-hmm. for ju- just the kind of a mental challenge and definitely wakes your ass up when you get in a cold shower, especially in yeah. New, York, New York winters. Yeah. yeah. And um, I didn't know that even though I was showering with Catskill Aquifer delicious spring water, if you were in the city uh, and you did cold showers, then you're kind of... That's a better. That's a better way to do it. Way healthier. One more reason Less to do Wim Hof method. I yep. highly recommend it. Totally. Yeah. So That's fascinating. Too. Oxygen in water is a really interesting thing because you can get 
super oxygenated water. Okay. But, you know, I think that really the thing that we just wrapped up with there as far as the things for the city to think about are right. probably the three most important things. A good drinking water filter like a Berkey. Right. Making sure your house plants are getting at least non-chlorinated water. So let it sit for the day. And then a water filter for your for shower. For the shower, man. And paying attention to those I things. never, ever even thought of that before. Again, I've, I've been in the uh, Catskills Aquifer, but that's something that... There's a lot of people who are not showering in the Catskills Aquifer. Yeah, and the interesting thing is that water coming into New York is, of course, really high-quality water, but then the municipality dumps all this chlorine they, they chlorine and chlorine. Yeah, and right, right, right. All that cost Starts off good, yeah. That you then retroactively have to take back. So are, would you, are you against uh, any kind of industrial treatments with chlorines? Fluorines and bromines? Largely because what I see them as is a flawed model of water quality that assumes right. that you can look at water. But why would they do that to that water source? Why would they chlorinate Catskills aquifers? Because of engineers who have a notion that there's all of these very critical thresholds that if you don't make sure your municipal yeah. supply is always within them, then you're just fallen orders, risk dude. Of some sort. And it's there's a lot of more spectrum of someone set know, a baseline and the, there than they're and the willing engineers to and scientists just adhere to the whatever the regulations the, yeah. say but probably never questioning well let's how did they get these numbers right two or three generations down the road they've been what doing that our water industrial water treatments what since the 20s i guess since when when did it, when did that start when was uh when did the cities start Treating water for municipalities. Give me an idea. You know, they didn't even really start building sewage treatment plants much in this country until the '70s, when the Clean Water Act really came into play. Wow, that so our, my dad grew sewage. up without so all the water that my old man drank was just lakes and dams and aquifer water. Yeah, not, generally they're not coming from some city tanks well a lot of the cities then had them all coming from natural reservoirs and it was only until some of these cities i did not know that. i just had I complications in maintaining the infrastructure meaning the lines huh. coming from those distant reservoirs needed maintenance and then they had some phase of administration that had a proposal that said oh it'd be cheaper instead of fixing that line coming from that mountain lake to right. just start sucking the water out of the river that goes by the town and dumping chlorine in it uh, and the town bought it because it sounded like it made. That sounds sense. now it sounds horrible, right? It makes no sense. It's all well, that's what I grew up on, here. and I just made this crazy assumption that that's all the way it's always been. That it came from a good reservoir, you mean? Well, I know I I grew up, I grew up, dude. I grew up in Houston, Texas, municipal city water. I mean, that's right. what I grew up on. My dad was right. like water scientist, biologist guy, so he was a uh, you know all for it. He says it's clean and safe and. We drank it. I mean, I'm by clean and safe. It might be, but our question no, no, but today I'm, I'm is fascinated like, is it good that. For you? But my my fascination <laughs> is that that wasn't always the case. Like I'm drinking treated water with chemicals. Yeah, and I'm I'm essentially the first one of the first generation that right. grew up We're in '76. We're guinea pigs. Absolutely. That's my point. That's what freaks me out. Yeah. I did not realize that. Yeah. I just assumed that my old man drank from a treated city plant, just like we did. I didn't know that. Yeah. 
and that's a, a new thing. It's important Dang. for Americans to realize that a lot of the laws uh, even around water quality, like the Clean Water Act, the Safe Drinking Water Act, these things are just relatively new in the last 30, 40 years. Well, and I, we're not even forcing them. I remember you so. telling us in class, and tell me if I want to say in 70 till 77 or 78, somewhere around there, 70s, New York would their toilets were going into the Hudson. That to me is nuts. Yeah, the craziest absolutely. fact I ever heard in your class. And the dumping people were, all the municipal sludge just out in the ocean, about eighty miles. Is this was coast. this in per, like consecutively, or was this when it only when it had the overflow from the rains when they dumped in the Hudson? Was that just how they did it? Well, so still to this day, that. they dump twenty four billion gallons of <sighs> raw sewage and overflow toilet water, like toilet uh, worse stuff. Than that. It's from dry cleaners, transmission shops, stormwater drains, plus good old poop and pee. <sighs> But, like but before that year, was it 72, 77? When was this? When was it finally they're like, all right, we got to stop doing this? No, it still happens. Right, I know, but there what was. What they stopped doing was dumping the solids, what we call municipal sludge. Yeah. That they were actually taking a barge and just dumping in the ocean all the way up <laughs> into the 80s. Then they made it illegal, and so they started trucking it to Texas and dumping it in a 12,000 acre landfill. Right. Then the EPA just changed the law and said, it's okay to put municipal sludge on farm fields. I most people know this stuff. So now it's being put on farm fields, which there's a whole book about called Faithful Harvest because a bunch of farmers out in the Midwest had their farm fields contaminated from municipal sludge, irrevocably. And they're trying to take... Was this a known fact? Like, if I went up to some six-year-old dude in New York would he know that at some point all the poop and pee just went into the Hudson? Like, would this, would they be aware of that? You have to get interested in things like the waste stream and study it. I learned a is lot. Is it of common knowledge? Details. In other words, no, it's not common. No, it, neither is the Clean Water Act and where we are in terms of it in this country. Because two things: Americans don't care about things that are relevant to their health that exist because they haven't been educated to care about it, and then it's not. Well, you know it's what? It's not covered by the media because the media is in the back pocket of the industry sure. who are violating. It's not as exciting laws, as so. you know what I I, I, I walked into a Fox News news blurbs. I've been traveling on an airport, and the I kid you not, I, mean, I stay with media as much as I can. The first article I see in like a week was um, malfunction uh, costume malfunction for some ice skater. Like really, mm. wardrobe malfunction for an ice skater. That's the news. Yeah. That's, that's why I don't. That's important. And it's people dying from public water. Wow. In Flint, Michigan, yes. You know, and this water thing's going that, on. That's to me. What is, somebody looks like in front of a camera. Well, that wasn't the only thing on it. I mean, they have all kinds of things. They have like public interest stories, cute puppies, blood. Right. You know, you gotta like sometimes delve into the black back pages of the news to Define get into it. Anything. Sure. Yeah. It's always relevant. like that. Well, so, it's, uh, but that but it, to me is, that sounds like a problem that more people need to know about. Have you heard of the, the California raw water? No, that sounds like a weird made up. Out. What is well, raw you know, water? They're calling it a, a California company is selling jugs of untreated water. Um, and it's basically spring water. I was going to say, how about you just um, call it water? Yeah. <laughs> But so many people were busting on it. Oh, my God. In what way? What were they busting on it? It's just the fact that, you know, people would do that, you know? That Um, people would pay a lot for it. Yep. Untreated spring water. But they're saying untreated spring water. They don't... Make it like assuming that all water is treated. That's... 
It's bizarre. So Just it's so many, it so many different levels. That's of, the weirdest whoa. marketing spin I've ever heard. It's because we live in such a contaminated world My where God. all of our water needs to be treated. Therefore, yeah. our legacy of what we evolved in, which was all quote unquote raw, untreated water, no problem, right? Right. Um, people, that's like an oddity now and something to deride and make fun of. Well, I that to me is. <laughs> Is that it's untreated? People were deriding. It's that. hilarious. It's crazy they didn't yeah. treat it. You're like, well, actually, know, one of the questions that we just call it spring water, but yeah. Nestle sells it. So What's the difference? this is well, an interesting. Dasani is actually just filtered municipal water. I didn't say Dasani. Oh, sorry. Well, that's Nestle. Is that any kind of? That's Nestle's bottled water. That's why I said Dasani. Mountain Valley. I used to get it in glass bottles before. I got a Oh, I can yeah. I can help. Those are real spring. Water. I can yes. I yeah. can help answer my own question. So my question it's was if you can only. If you had to get water, what would you get? And my, I, when I was in Shanghai, uh, much like the other place I'm about to move, which is in the south of Southeast Asia and uh, Bali, most most water, in, at least in Asia, is uh, yeah, you don't touch that stuff. Not like Mexico, right? So in Shanghai, um, I made, uh, I went and bought every possible bottled water you can get, and I tested for pH and ppm. So I shared the results with my dad again, a microbiologist, and I, I was it was interested that the lowest pH. So I was at the time looking for the highest pH because I had just read I can't remember the guy's name, but there's a book called The Blue Zones, mm-hmm. and it talked about there's these uh, I want to say We're it's a dozen, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he he found out longest what, average lifespan. Yeah, so the the highest. Uh, Propendency of uh, centurions, people live to be 100. Mm-hmm. So it's like eight regions. Mm-hmm. And one of the commonalities amongst others, which we could get to later on, but uh, was about the pH level of the water was very alkaline. And it had an average somewhere around the 8.8 range. And so that was something that was a corollary amongst all the centurions. So is it a bona fide, you know, direct, is it directly causal? Of course it's not, um, but that was noted, and that was the average pH. So I'm looking for a high pH. And the lowest pH waters were the commercial big brands, the Coca-Cola, which was, uh, is Pepsi Dasani or Dasani Coca-Cola? I think that's Coca-Cola brand. Uh, Nestle has Pure Life or whatever it is, and a lot of big bottlers have their own water. They were always the lowest pH, and the reason... Maybe you can guess. Like, what would be the reason? Why would the largest commercial brands have the lowest pH? I do not know. So I didn't catch it either. But my old man said that it's because their cycles for distribution are so large. These are mega companies, right? That their travel time is much longer. So you need to inoculate the water with more, basically, more chemical. Okay. So the, the lower, the, the bigger the company, the more chemical, the lower the pH, so less desirable water. And the less the distribution, so something local didn't mm-hmm. need that many chemicals, mm-hmm. so more desirable. So basically I found this no-name brand, which I, uh, Kalan or something, some weird Chinese local brand, but that was the healthiest. So mm-hmm. that, I guess uh, I kind of partly answered that if you're in, a, in, in an area that relies on and lack of, if you rely on city water, you don't have a filter, which sounds like that's your best go. But if it, it is. But in a pinch, if, right. yeah, if you're traveling, water, you're totally. traveling wherever, go and 
measure, and I'd be curious what the what those results in the states would be. But mm-hmm. most likely, your Dasani's and big brand will be the least desirable water. So you want to find just a small distribution local water source. Yeah, is probably your way to go. But you have the filter part, like the Berkeys, and are there other filters outside of Berkey that you've used or would recommend? Oh, you know that would require a lot more research and details. I would say that people can do that kind of thing right. on their But own. I have heard that, that Berkey's, is Berkey's the one. That the one. I can, yeah, and so, then I mentioned the brand new wave. Oh, the brand new wave, right. That's the one I like for the shower filter and the sink side filter. So how about now, the second part, or uh, yeah, the second component of that question is you're homesteading, you're building your own uh, you know, environment, you're permaculturist, so why don't you tell us how to get the right water in that Well, sir, regard. part of what I was saying is you need to research things like making sure that you're not setting up camp near to where there's a contaminated site or where are, there's yep. some sort of factory farm operation or a big development of some sort. And Brown zones? Is that, that was yeah, one of brown those? Fields, yeah, brown fields. Brown fields. And spring water, you know, I, I think there's a lot. One, one thing I wanted to say is hmm. that when you think about water, I think broadly speaking, it's good to start with the understanding that, you know, for the bulk of human history, people were and have been drinking surface water, spring water, something coming out of the earth largely untreated. It is only a more recent thing in the last several hundred years that we have these industrial systems and even really largely in the last 70 to 50 years that people have started to mainly drink well water. So it's coming from drilled wells. So what you you mentioned that we got so we got water out of the Oh my God. So if the if most of the, if most of the drinking water is groundwater, when did drinking rainwater become a factor, or if well, ever? Rain rainwater is still commonly, from my understanding, in a lot of societies, say in Southeast Asia, throughout South America, a lot of cultures that haven't really, for many reasons, they may not have a geology that's such where you could hand dig a well and hit good potable drinking water. Right. And so in many places in Cambodia and in Thailand, the hydrology of the soil is such that it's not easy to make local wells, so they might have a shared well, but the so rainwater water is, is often rainwater. So rainwater is, I guess, uh, a better way to... And rainwater is distilled. Ah. So rainwater, I was gonna say gonna what, to well, I was going to say what's desirable or not desirable about rainwater. So, you know, in distilled water, so that's though we distilled may give the impression water. that it's a, it's a negative thing, there's the positive aspect to distilled water. Sure, it's very, it's very It's very pure. It's basically Correct, yeah. clean. Yeah. And so now... Rainwater is distilled water? Rainwater is distilled water. I did not water. know that. Yeah. If you taught us that in class, I was not paying attention. Yeah, a lot of I times people don't that. realize that that's one of the big I did differences. Not know that. And it's part of what makes it better for cleaning. Because soft water, distilled water, uses less soap. Is that soap. what soft and hard water means? That's the difference, yeah. Soft water is distilled, hard water has... I know, oh, I Soft water is like lower mineral content. So the less... The less minerals, uh, the softer it is, So if right? you're at actual distilled, you can't get any softer. Right. That's as I've soft as I've never thought it of it that way. Yeah. 
Huh. So it was you used. would hear hard and soft water in faucets, and I'm like, what in the hell does that mean? Yeah. And soft water is desirable in terms of buildup of minerals in your plumbing pipes. You're going to have less of that. Right. If you have yes. Soft water. Yes. If hard I've water, heard of hard water. Hard water is hard so, on your plumbing. And everybody in the Northeast has hard water, and that's because of the geology here. So you want a little hardness. Hardness is preferable for drinking. Huh. Because it remineralizes our bones and our body. Really? Soft is preferable for a lot of the work that we do with water, like cleaning. So if you want to do huh. something like clean clothes, clean your dishes, take you a shower, only, soft can, water is actually preferable So for if that. you could only have one type of water in all your pipes, would you want soft or hard? I would go with soft because I'd rather have it on tap and at pressure and I could have a sink side little Berkey filter for all my drinking Yeah, water. you can add stuff to it. You know? So drinking, and huh. I often recommend that, that if you hand draw your drinking water, that is actually a tenable solution for your lifestyle if you have pressurized rainwater on tap for all your other water needs in a house. So my homestead in West Virginia that I designed was set up that way so that I hand hauled all my drinking water from a spring but then all the water that I used for cleaning and washing, all that was gravity-fed into the ah, house, that and makes, most of that yeah. was rainwater. Okay, we're filming. We're recording right now. Thank you for making him a cast. Um, okay, so let's start with, you, have a, you want to build your own little off-the-grid environment, for example. Um, you basically have, I guess, in order, well, instead of me answering, trying to answer my question, in order, what would you rank the, as the best water sources and what are, how many different options and water sources are, are there? I think typically the first one to really max out is rainwater because it's going to be more commonly available on any property than, say, spring or surface water is right. because every place on the planet gets rain. And as Not you just mentioned, place. if you could only have one water you want distilled because you can add to it. Yeah. Rainwater is the best. Exactly. So you've got a steady Why doesn't everyone capture? It's amazing to me. After you're doing your court, honestly. Yeah. Um, well, like the school that I almost became a part of in Tanzania, mm-hmm. they and yes, the pro- the rain is quite low, but why not at minimal just capture whatever falls? Absolutely. Like yeah, what's no matter the, how small it is, really no incorporated into there's no excuse design. if you even how yeah. unless you it is bonafide like no rain ever like what's the desert in California like the uh, Dead Sea or whatever yeah or, right um, the low desert out there yeah. yeah salt flats or something yeah but other than that like why wouldn't you right and probably you shouldn't it'd be pretty tough to be living in a place like that anyway <laughs> i think when i looked in that tanzania project they had i mean they still got like seven inches or three or so. i mean it was something dismal but you know catch whatever you can yeah well so those are the different approaches to rain catchment are where it's low rainfall you have really large cisterns right where it's higher rainfall you can have smaller ones sure so there's, there's ways to basically intelligently incorporate that into your design that still make it a very significant part of your needs. Right. Just scale up the storage in well, a place I, that's really dry. I guess in, outside of you know, your own little homestead or off-grid deal. Yeah, then a, second a, I would say springs. The springs. I would rather have a spring and a rainwater system that's, that's the than, combo. than rainwater system and a large stream 
Yes. Or actually, even a large pond. Because there's things about streams those. better than pond. Uh, it's moving. No, I think I think I'd probably rather have a pond because Beaver fever. the stream may not start on your property. So there's yeah. a certain amount of sort of control over the conditions of the water right. that are why I would prefer a spring before a pond is. And there's those pathways, right? And it beaver yeah, fever. Exactly. There's some kind of funk that's it's all kinds of much, not so much good. Exactly like. Yeah. Cool if you want to breed some fish, but growing fish isn't necessarily hmm. the first goal for home systems. Right. It's more potable water, drinking water, uh, washing water. Those things are primary systems, and then secondary ones would be yeah. Cultivation so could you let's cool. say in this region, so a pond would be tougher to turn into a water supply for your home right. than a spring would be. Right. And if you combine rain tanks with a spring. And then you did have a pond or a stream, those would be good additions. But first thing to really incorporate and max out would be rain, and then second would be so if you could find a I'm spring. I'm trying to think back, and I can't think of one. Did, did you show some examples of people who used rainwater catchment but didn't catch the water, they fed it into the land somehow, and maybe a ground like a lake or pond? Is that something we've seen or ever sure. seen? Sure, yeah, yeah. And we always do that when we do install a tank. Then we install, usually we create a small pond that is fed by the overflow from the tank. So the rain tank gets filled by a building, and then the overflow from the rain tank Goes creates there. a water But do you ever, like, you know, we installed the one, you know, it was a 500-gallon, and we captured the water. But I was just curious if you've ever seen a, or designed a system that didn't catch the water, you fed it just straight to the land in some capacity. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the one you helped me with over there on Rock Hill where we put in that, I dug that ditch and then I lined it with gravel and then I put that rain garden at the end of it. Ah, uh, right. That's so all that, would, that was for was infiltration was the, of rainwater, rain right. which was causing erosion problems, foundation problems that we solved by it was amazing how creating that effective ditch that, that intercepted right. all that water. Right. So yeah, often we're doing earthworks specifically to solve some kind of energetic force that the water is affecting on the land, the right. runoff that's sheeting, what they call sheeting action, which is what rain does when you get a high volume of it running down a hill, it just like running down the windshield of your car. And so... And it, you can intercept that with an earthwork, and we call it ecological Aikido, because you're mm, taking a negative force, right. and you're dispersing and diffusing it with something like an earth berm that then you line with rocks, which increases the infiltration too. So now you've increased aquifer recharge, solved an erosion problem, and in the project you and I worked on, right. prevented the foundation from a building from continuing to have frosty, yeah, right. all and kinds those, of management those, those challenges. Reeds that were 15 feet tall, it was crazy how yeah. wet that was. Yeah, and all that dried up right. from that work. Um, oh, I had a, a question. So uh, the, okay, yeah, the question is, let's assume you're building a, a you know, small home, two-bedroom home, off-grid type environment. How many inches of rain, obviously there's a formula you have for square footage of the roof, but assuming mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're designing a, a just a medium size, I, I don't know, you can throw a square footage out. How many inches of rain would you need to be self-sufficient without any other water source? Mm. Mm, that's a good question. Well, I can respond to that usefully, I think, in a couple ways. One is to say there's nowhere on the entire eastern 
seaboard in the United States where you're not going to have enough rain to supply wow. all your water needs for a household. Mm. The only places where we might start to get into really challenging numbers in order to have it be our sole supply would be places you might suspect like the southwestern desert right the United well that's States. that's places a great that that's great variables right right but if you look at the whole eastern united states which includes the southeast and the northeast right that whole thing from the appalachian ridge down all the ozarks all that michigan wisconsin all water rich it's a joke to think about would they be limited with what they no We've got so much average rainfall levels in these temperate climates that you can pretty much run entire cities, entire households, entire. It's it's a vastly I mean, that is a underutilized very resource. good thing to know. I, you the know, Pacific Northwest they have more water than they know what to do with. Um. I mean, that's for people who want to get off the grid. Water is the most important thing it to is. know that oh, yeah. you pretty much are good as long as you design something smart. Yeah. You catch your. So, do you have a. And that's we're, why we we're, help we're talking look like. For so, even two or three inches a year, I mean, I've mm, heard. More than that. Right. More than that. I'd say you wouldn't want to go less than somewhere around. For me, just to be comfortable, mm. I wouldn't go less than, say, 12 to 15 inches right. annual rate. That's your. But that, that but that's the tough. majority, vast majority of the United States. Absolutely. Wow, You're that's well great. within that. Because here, to give a sense of what the parameters are, mm-hmm. throughout the Northeast, it's 40-plus inches a year. Rarely anywhere is it less than 30 inches a year in the Northeast and the South. And how, what percentage of homes do you think actually trap and use rainwater in the United States? Uh, less than 1%. That's nuts! It's totally unusual. Well, I love hearing yeah. stuff like this. And, yeah. you know, again, water is one of those... Topics you could just talk for. I know it's yeah, cool. <laughs> sounds absolutely like the dorkiest thing I've ever said in my life. But yeah, you can talk about water for for hours, man. You totally can. So oh, cool. well, I hope people got something out of this. These are fun to do. We're yeah. gonna have to, you know, we're gonna have to do these remotely. I think these are fun. I know. If we can get a a, a, a bandwidth that allows it, we should do more of these. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Enjoy Thank you, Clay. It. Yeah, always, always a pleasure, Andrew. All right. <laughs>